Greetings, Team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena to the fourth and final episode of the Faith in the Prison series. Um, it's been a great series. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. Now, on this final episode, what I want us to do is to look at, into the story of John the Baptist uh, from Matthew 11, from verse 1 to 19, where John the Baptist is in prison. Right? Um, and so I want us to be able to look at that. So allow me to read from Matthew 11, from verse 1 to 19. Hallelujah! All right. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen any greater than John the Baptist. Yet, in, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not, you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Now, um, a little bit about John the Baptist is that, you know, in Matthew 3, he is shown to be as someone who um, was preaching a message of repentance in the Judean desert, right? So he was, you know, he was Jesus's cousin, right? So the the his his Jesus's mom and John's mom were related, right? And um, we see what the purpose of John was, which was literally he was Elijah to come before Jesus Christ to prepare the way to come with a message of repentance, which was really. Um, preparing the way for Jesus to be able to come onto the scene, right? And for his ministry to be launched, right? And based on the way he is described, it appears that John was all business. Like, this guy took his calling very seriously. Like, he wasn't, he, 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 won't, he won't playing, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was really about this life. In Matthew 3, from verse 1 to 6, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of Heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken, he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. 
people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And so the thing is about John's ministry is that his ministry was, was really popular, right? And further, based on what we studied last week, if you remember, John was the one who baptized Jesus, allowing him to begin his ministry, allowing Jesus to begin his ministry. So it was John who baptized Jesus, right? Now, the thing about John is that he had dedicated his life to serving his purpose, right? This guy was committed to this. That's why he's here, cooling locusts, wild honey. This guy was committed to his calling, right? And his purpose was to usher in the reign of the Messiah. This was his purpose, right? There's a popular scripture in John 3 and verse 30 where he says to his disciples in regards to Jesus' ministry that he must increase, which is Jesus, but I must decrease. Like he knew what he was here to do, that it was all about Jesus. Like he was here to usher in the reign of the Messiah, okay? And so basically what he's telling his disciples here, that he must decrease, but I must decrease, is he's telling his disciples, Jesus is the one. He is the son of God. He actually tells his disciples after, after that, in, in, from verse 31 in the same chapter, John 3, verse 31, he says, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And so the thing is about John is that he publicly acknowledged Jesus as God's Son, sent to give us eternal life. John also publicly proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for. And this is very important. This is a very key thing that I want us to, to be able to note today, right? That he publicly, if you remember, uh, well, I don't know if you remember this, but there's a portion of scripture where when John, right before John baptizes Jesus, where Jesus is passing by and he literally points and he says to, to his disciples, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is the Messiah, right? And... Um, so, so, so John was really about Jesus being the Messiah. Like he knew it and he publicly proclaimed it, right? That this is the Messiah that the Jewish people are waiting for. And this is very important. Now, we've discussed this before in many other, in, in other series. Um, I don't remember which one exactly. But we've discussed before that, that, that the thing about the Jewish people is that they were waiting and expecting a Messiah who would restore the glory of Israel, the nation. They were expecting a Messiah who would come and his thing would be to depose the current political regime, which at the time was very oppressive, a very oppressive Roman Empire, which heavily taxed the, the, its, its, not just its citizens, but also those that it had conquered. And the whole goal was to depose that very oppressive Roman Empire and restore Israel's glory on earth. This was how they had understood of what the, what the Messiah was coming to do, was to restore Israel's dominance and to depose political, the political regime that was there at the time. 
This is what the Jewish people were expecting, including John. And the thing that's interesting is because, the reason why I mention this is because this is actually what ends, why he ends up in prison, right? The reason why he ends up in prison is because in Matthew 14, we're told why he was put in prison and later executed. From verse 3, in Matthew 14 and verse 3, it says, Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and, and, and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. I'm telling you, for so long, I always wondered. Because you see, the thing is, John is in prison, but he's not in prison. Uh, for, he's in prison because of criticizing Herod, right? And telling him that you, Herod, you can't take your brother's wife to be your wife. You can't do that. It's unlawful for you to do that, right? And the thing is that I always wondered for very many times, actually, every time I read that story, I always wondered that this guy who is here baptizing people, preaching a message of repentance, what, what is he doing here speaking to political power? Right? Like, why didn't he just stay in the wilderness? Right? Doing, do your repentance, baptize sinners and tax collectors who are coming. Right? Keep your, keep your, keep, stick to your lane. Right? And the thing is, is that as I was studying this, I, 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 I think I finally now understand why. Right? That just like all Jewish people, what they believed is that the Messiah was coming to depose the political regime at the time. And knowing that, the fact that, especially for John, that the Messiah had rocked up to the scene, in his mind it was just a matter of time before this political regime is deposed. It was just a matter of time. To the extent where John is just like, my guy, we can even start criticizing political leaders because, my guy, this thing is about to go down, man. The Messiah is here. It's about to go down. And the thing is, I'm sure this mindset that he had around the Messiah was what gave him boldness to speak truth to power. But the thing is that this is actually what gets him in prison. This is the thing that actually got him in, in trouble and in prison. And while in prison, a situation happens that not only does it get him in prison, but also gets him beheaded, right? Now, the thing that happens is, is that while John is in prison, he starts to hear all the amazing things that the Messiah is doing. He's doing all these amazing things except that this Messiah does not seem to be doing anything about the political regime. So he's doing all the stuff except that. Why, what, why isn't this guy deposing the Roman Empire and restoring Israel's rule? Right? And so what he does, John does, is that he's seeing all these things, but he's not seeing the change in the political scene. And so he sends his disciples to ask Jesus in Matthew 11 from verse 2 to 3, right? Where he says, when John who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Right? 
are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? John, who knew that Jesus was the Messiah, had a different expectation of how this Messiah was supposed to Messiah. <laughs> right? He had a completely different expectation. And it wasn't just him. All of the Jewish nation had a certain expectation of how it is that God was going to uh, bring his Messiah and what this Messiah was supposed to do. According to them, this Messiah was supposed to come and literally restore Israel, the nation. That was the perspective, right? And his power would be visible, but his power was for the purpose of being able to restore Israel's glory, right? Former glory. And what does Jesus tell John's disciples? He tells them, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What we later come to realize, right, and not just us, but everyone who's the Jewish nation, yeah, to the dismay of the Jewish nation, is that this Messiah has no interest in restoring political authority to Israel. But instead, his interest as the Messiah is to restore God's rightful authority in the hearts of men and women. The kingdom he was coming to bring was not what everyone expected, including John. Including John. So while John is in prison, he's wondering, I, when you what's up with this Messiah? Is he the one? Am I, are we waiting for someone else? Because the kingdom I have been preaching from the beginning, in Matthew 3, the, 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 the kingdom I've been preaching that is near is because of this guy. And the thing is, he's like, where is this kingdom? Right? Because everyone... John and the whole Jewish nation were waiting for a visible kingdom. They were all waiting for this, when is he going to go and remove the emperor? Right? The kingdom he was coming to bring, however, the kingdom that Jesus Christ was coming to bring had come instead to invade the hearts of men and women. And with this reality, he says to John's disciples, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of this mission that Jesus has. Meaning, he's saying, John, you, you have an expectation, and not just you, but the whole Jewish nation has an expectation. But I'm doing all the things that the Messiah is supposed to do. But the expectation that you have of how this is supposed to be done, that the hope is, is that no one will stumble on account of what it is that I have been called to do, what is my purpose in terms of being able to bring the kingdom, right? So he says to them, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of this mission that Jesus has, that does not meet the expectations that you have. Now, you know, earlier this year, I had gone for one of many... Um, investor meetings, um, you know, I'd go for, I, I, have, I do, I have done very many pitches, right? 
and the whole thing of these meetings is so that uh, to be able to secure some some investment for for our business um, and so I just meeting after meeting after meeting and on this particular day I had gone to a meeting along Weakiwe so already number one even just getting on Weakiwe you know right now because of all the construction it's 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 a lot of guesswork you, you don't know which which road has been closed which one has been open so already even just getting to the meeting was frustrating enough just trying to figure out how to maneuver myself in all this right so I go and I have this meeting and I you know it's just like any other meeting ain't no thing do my thing whatever and I leave this meeting and I remember leaving this meeting feeling frustrated um, you know feeling tired with all these meetings trying to find some investment I'm just like man like brah, like how many meetings do we need to have so that you know before before something happens right so I remember getting to the office and as soon as I got to the office I remember being parked outside um, uh, my offices and, and praying to God and asking him you know, to just help me find the strength that I need to keep going. And I remember praying and asking him to direct me and help me in this, in this whole season of, you know, going out, looking, whatever. And it was just, you know, just feeling the fatigue of all that. And I'm just praying, Lord, give me the strength and help me, direct me. Like, just, just help me in this whole thing. And after that prayer, I remember I get into the office and I start to look through my emails and, uh, as I'm looking through my emails, I see that I have a DM in my LinkedIn. So I, my LinkedIn account, there's someone who has sent me a message. So they tell you, uh, someone has sent you a message. So I go to my LinkedIn. And in LinkedIn, I have a message from someone that I don't know. I have no idea who this person is. Now, the message was sent literally at the time when I was praying in the car. And, you know, after salutations and everything, the person says to me, I just want to remind you that whatever you are trusting God for, he has heard your cry. God is working even if you don't see it. Whatever you are waiting on God for, he is working on it. Just hold on and trust him. Good afternoon and be blessed. Now, the thing that was so amazing for me about this message when I read it, I was just like, obviously this person, this stranger, didn't know I was praying at that time. So meaning that I knew this was God responding to my prayer. And then even just the fact that it was someone on LinkedIn, like it wasn't like some or some other place messaging me on WhatsApp or whatever. It was so clear that my frustration was about work and I had prayed to God about it. And this was God responding to me in obviously LinkedIn is a work environment. And he's just like, I want you to know that I'm talking to you about what you've just prayed about, right? And I remember at the time we were actually doing a series on hearing and obeying God. So, uh, you know, this is that thing for where I, as I'm teaching this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is God, you know, all that stuff. You know, some random person comes. Anyway, um, so this was God speaking to me. Now, the thing that really was so puzzling to me from the email, like I read it and I was very encouraged, almost like, thank you, God, that you hear me. You know how the person says, it's like, God is working even if you don't see it. Whatever you're waiting on God for, he's working on it. Just hold on and trust him. You know, and the fact for me, that beautiful part was, I just want to remind you that whatever you're trusting God for, he has heard you, he has heard your cry. That was such a, like, it was like, God has heard me. He's heard me, right? But the thing that I wondered from this email is what does God mean when he says he's working on it? I mean, this is the God who one command could completely change the destiny of a nation, right? What does he mean by I'm working on it? 
like um, you know this this those are things that you you feel like are the the things for a mere mortal <laughs> you know where us we are working on it but it's just like god is for you know what could he possibly be working on what could he be working on and the thing is is that as i continue to just spend time thinking about this i realize that the thing he is working on isn't the situation the thing he is working on is me it's me that he's working on right and so for me in as much as there was this expectation that i had around the situation that i was in and my expectation is just like john where are we i can't see it i can't see the thing so are you the guy and the thing is it's the same thing where i'm just like i want to see the thing but then to realize that the thing he's working on the reason why it's like he's working, uh, you may not see it, whatever it is, though you may not see it, he's working on it. Though you may not see it, he's working on it, right? And I'm going, I'm going somewhere with this story. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8, from verse 1 to 5, it reads, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now the thing is, is that the reason why God had the children of Israel go through the wilderness before getting to the promised land is because his concern was their hearts. It is their hearts he was concerned about. The blessing ain't no thing, but they needed the wilderness to ready their hearts. Friends, God ultimate, God's ultimate objective in whatever season of life you are in is to change you and to cause you to manifest your new identity made in the image of Christ. He is coming for your heart. John and all the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah that would transform their surroundings. But the Messiah from God had actually come to transform their hearts. Then they were waiting for the guy for the surroundings. But he was coming to transform their hearts. God is more interested in causing you to manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control before he's even interested in giving you that car, that house, that hey, that what. And he will do whatever it takes to ensure that this is achieved in you. Why? Because he loves us. Because, like it says in Hebrews 12, that he is a God because of his love. He disciplines us. And like you just now read in Deuteronomy 8 where he says, I took you through the wilderness because I wanted to see and I wanted to be able to remove certain things from your heart before you enter into the promised land.
And the thing is, is this, I remember when at that moment, I even, uh, you know, having conversations with different people and just thinking and just realizing that if it's me that God is working on, then my prayer needs to change. That whatever it is, Lord, that you're working on in this season, I pray, Lord, that I don't miss it. I pray that I will not have a hard heart that opposes you. Soften my heart towards you and cause me not to be stiff-necked. And herein lies the problem that some of us have. The problem is this, is that God is here coming for your heart because it's so hard. We're hurting people around us, being toxic and controlling towards others, being manipulative and deceitful, holding on to old negative traits and being like, but you know, that's just how I am. Mm, that's just how I am. I mean, you know, uh, uh, I'm a Libra. I, uh, you know, this is, I, I'm a Scorpio. This is, just, this is just how we are, right? This is just how I am. We're holding on to attitudes and beliefs where we expect others to understand and accommodate us rather than actually acknowledging that we have a problem and going to God to help us fix it. There are toxic patterns in our lives that we refuse to acknowledge, let alone address. There are irrational fears and broken mindsets that we have that are hindering us from seeing God as he truly is. And the thing about the wilderness is that it exposes what is inside of you. But that exposure is pointless if it does not lead us to opening up ourselves and admitting that indeed we need help. A stiff neck cannot be weak. It cannot be malleable. It cannot be challenged. It cannot accept correction. And this is what God is working on, our hard hearts. So we are looking for an outward manifestation, but yet God, his work, the thing he's working on, isn't so that he can be able to make that blessing happen. The thing, the thing that he's really, really working on is inside of you. He's really just working on your heart. And the thing is this, that I believe that God is wanting to do a new thing in his church. I talked about this earlier this year, that the word that God gave me from Isaiah 43, that I believe that God is working to restore his people back to their first love and to use them to reveal his love to a broken world. But for many, many, many decades, believers have been the stumbling block to God's light because of our hard, unchanging hearts. The world has turned our love cold. God will not use a hard heart. But the good news is that he is doing a new thing, as he says in Isaiah 43. And I, and, and I got to confess to you that for me, just the same way, when I, the, the way that the Jewish people thought of the Messiah, when I saw that word of him doing a new thing, the first thing I thought about was my surroundings. The first thing I thought about is, ah, he's doing a new thing. So in fact, because you know that when he gave me that word, it was like, I was like, literally, because the word that he gave me last year, when he gave me that word about the, 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 the disciples on the boat, the storm, the storm came a week later. So now when he gave me this word of, I'm doing a new thing, streams in the western, rivers in the desert, I was like, next week, maze. God is opening up. My guy, breakthrough is breakthrough. Breakthrough is happening. Me, what I didn't realize at the time when God is talking about a new thing, 
the thing that he was starting and showing me that he was starting to, the, the thing that he was doing then, that new thing, was actually in my heart. Here's the thing that's so interesting. You know what it says? This is what it says there. Remember, if you remember Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. In that same chapter in verse 25, he says that the thing that he will do is that he will be the one to change us. He will be the one to take our sin. He will be the one to take away our hard hearts. But for me, obviously, because I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like the new thing. Uh-huh. Where is it? <laughs> I want to see this thing. Ezekiel 36 from verse 22 to 36 best captures what I believe God is doing for his church, where he says, Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned, profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm doing this for your sake. That I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be built. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. The thing that God is saying here, if you think about this, it's similar to how God prophesied and told the people that I will get you out of Egypt, out of slavery. But the thing is is that he tells them about this beautiful land flowing in milk and honey and all these things. And everyone is just there waiting for the manifestation of this land, the beauty of this place that they're going to. But the thing is, is that God takes them through a wilderness because his concern was about changing their hearts before changing their surrounding. God wants to transform our hard hearts to hearts of flesh, humble hearts, 
malleable hearts, hearts that can accept correction, hearts that are healed from past wounds, hearts that, hearts that can truly love like Christ. He wants to reveal the heart of Christ that he has put inside of us. He wants to reveal the mind of Christ that he has put in us through the power of the Holy Spirit given to us by the resurrected Christ. And however long it takes, this is what he is doing for all who have called upon the name of his son. What this literally means for us as children of God is that it's time for us to be malleable and allow God to do a new thing in us. You've already learned what it means to hear and obey God. In fact, go back to the previous series and watch what it means to, to learn how to hear and obey God. And what this means for us is that we have to be ready for God to reveal to us some toxic traits that may be living inside of us that are hindering us from Christ being revealed in and through us and being obedient to the remedies that he proposes to us. We have to be willing and ready to allow God to remove some toxic relationships in our lives. We have to be willing and ready to allow God to expose some mindsets and fears that could be holding you back from achieving what God has called you to do. You know, the thing that's so interesting for me, what this has meant, and it's so, it's so interesting because it's, it's like when now I think about, God gives that word uh, back in March, right? And in April, <laughs> the first instruction that is given to me is where he says that I, I want you to go and work out, but I want you to go and work out with these specific trainers. Those are the people that I need you to go and work, with, work out with those guys. Right? And then not only that, what I need you to do is I need you, when you go there, because I'm sending you there, I want you to have a positive mindset and I want you to do whatever these guys tell you to do. Right? So you go in a positive mindset. Right? So me, I went in there in obedience to God. Not fully understanding why, because in my head, most of us, we imagine that the things that God will tell us would, would be, you know, spirit things. You know, just deeply spiritual. Go to, go to the, this prophet and he'll pray for you. This guy is now the prophet he's sending you to is say he's a, he's a physical trainer, <laughs> the one who has been sent to go and he's the one you've been told go over there, right? And the thing that's so amazing is going there in obedience to God and experiencing what has been a transformational journey, not for my body. In fact, the body part is like the that's the, the that's just ten uh, percent of it, but in terms of what it has been able to do for my mind that I've learned so much from that experience, that that experience has unlocked so much that has helped me to understand the season that I'm in, to endure through the season that I'm in, to be able to understand what it means to be in a situation where, yes, you are in a training ground that demands so much of you, but you can do it. And then you begin to see the results of being able to be in an environment like that. All that was about changing my heart. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the heart. The heart and the mind is the same was up, right? The, 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 really, the mind is, is the, and the heart, it's, it's about the center of where your values are derived from, where your decision-making is made, the heart and the mind, which is basically all these thoughts and ideas and values that you constantly have. That is your mind. That is your heart. And God is coming for that, right? Just recently, literally as soon as just there, just recently, God sent me into therapy with a specific therapist. And I needed to be open to that as well. 
to go with a spirit of learning and ready to be challenged, ready for mindsets to be challenged, ready for things and not just being there like, ah, but you know, man of God, well, man of God, you know, we can. And God is sending you to places where he's saying, I want you to be malleable. I want to use, I want to change your heart and I'm going to send you to places and I want you to go there. I want you to learn. I want you to open up your mind and I want you to go there and listen and be ready to be challenged. God sent me even uh, during this period a business mentor that I needed to submit myself to and I was resistant towards it because I'm just like, what does that guy even know? But God is the one who's sending you there and he's saying, because I want you to go there because there's certain things, there's certain mindsets that I want to take out of you. There's certain things that I want to deal with. There's things inside your heart that I need to remove so that you can see me even more clearly. And can you, that, that I can basically will allow you to be available for me to be able to use you. And there you will be challenged. There you will be rebuked. There you will be pushed. And the thing is, is that I know that in all these things that what God is doing, and now that I realize it, is that what God was doing and is doing is that he is working on the heart. He's working on my heart. This is him giving me a new heart. This is him doing that work in me so that I can do, so that he can do a new thing around me. God's objective is to change us and to cause us to manifest the life of Christ that he has placed within us through his Holy Spirit. And so the thing is that we cannot do, especially in this time, is we cannot harden our hearts. But instead we have to open up ourselves and submit to the process and the path God will set you on with an open mind. He wants to change you so he can use you. And so the thing is today that I want us to do just like the psalmist did. Because the reality is this, is that God wants your heart. He has come for your heart. That is where he is coming to transform and renew and to change. And today I want us to ask the Lord like the psalmist did in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, where he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I truly believe this is a very potent prayer because I'm telling you and I assure you of this, that when you pray this prayer, God will answer it. And when he does, do not resist him. Do not resist the things that God will reveal, in you, will reveal in you. It won't be easy. It's not something that you're just like, yay, I have issues with lust. You know, it's, it's, it's like, oh, I have issues with patience, or oh, I have issues, or oh, I have all these mindsets. These are things where you will literally be challenged. There probably are mindsets, these things that are inside of you that are strongholds, and he's trying to come and get your attention, but your heart is so hard. And what I believe is that God will answer our prayer. And what he reveals, ask him for help with it. And the thing is, whatever help he provides, do not resist that help. But avail yourself with a positive and humble mindset. If it means him removing certain people from your life, because it may happen, do not resist. If it means him leading you to therapy, do it with an open mind. If it means him leading you to take on a certain job that pushes you beyond your limits, do it with a willing heart. Allow him to transform you 
in Jesus' name because that is the purpose. It has always been the purpose of why he leads us through the wilderness or why he takes us through certain seasons is because his concern has always been for our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' holy name for all who are listening that you would open up yourself to just hear from God, to learn from him and to allow him to just remove whatever are the blind spots in your lives and opening up yourself to whatever remedies that he will provide. I truly believe, and I've said this many times before, we are, we are not here to give you prescriptions or all this. I'm here to tell you that the God in whom we serve, when you ask, he reveals. When you go and you talk to him and you ask him to search your heart, he will search it and he will reveal it. And if you ask for his help, he will show you where to go for that help. You have to have the courage to trust, to believe, and to follow the direction in which God will take you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen and amen. And so please, let's pray this prayer. I'm going to read it one more time. From Psalm 139, from verse 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are the God who searches us. You're the God who is such a good God that you will never, ever leave us in darkness. You're always seeking to illuminate your light within us that we can be a light around us. Father, we desire that our light would so shine. And we acknowledge that there's sometimes that there are things within us, there are mindsets, there's fears, there's doubts, there's all these things, there's, there's strongholds, stumbling blocks that are consistent in our lives. And Father, we need your help to overcome. Would you begin a new thing within our hearts? And I believe that you've already begun. Father, I pray in Jesus' holy name that for all who would pray this prayer, that they would not resist you, that we will not resist whatever it is that you desire to work in us that we will not be those who will be found with a hard heart, that our hearts would not be that soil that is hard, but it would be a soil that is able to receive your word and to move forward with whatever, in whatever direction you set us on. And so, Father, we bring our hearts before you. Infuse newness. Help us to overcome. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then... Make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe, subscribe.
God bless you guys.